I was born in 1971 in Schenectady, New York. My father left before I was born and took himself out, if you catch my drift, when I was 17, before I ever got to meet him. From what I heard, it was an intentional overdose. My mom was only 19 when she had me and struggled with drugs and alcohol. Her parents, my grandparents, got custody of me when I was one. Which I always thought was funny because what was the court thinking? Well, you two are obviously good at raising children. Want another crack at it? When I was six... My grandmother Anne died of heart failure. My mom, who had been in and out of my life, came back and lived with me and my grandfather. She was trying to clean herself up. When I was eight, while visiting my Aunt Barbara with my grandpa, my mom died of an accidental overdose of codeine. A couple years later, my grandfather got married again to my step-grandmother Dixie. We moved to the soybean and cattle corn fields of Pungo, Virginia in a little country house. Shortly after I turned 13, they decided they were too old to raise me. They sent me back to my hometown to live with my mother's cousin and her husband. And again, after a couple years or so, things just didn't work out. And I moved in with one of my mother's other cousins and her husband. And things did work out this time. It was the right fit. While I was clearly troubled as a kid on the inside, I always did well in school. I never got in any serious trouble. I thought if I was good enough, I wouldn't be sent away again, or my biggest fear, abandoned. I got my first real taste of comedy back when it was just me and Gramps living in Southgate Apartments. We were basically what I like to call upper-class poor. Half of my friends were black. Thank God, because they were ruthlessly funny. Some people call it the dozens, other people call it snapping or busting balls, basically your mama jokes. We called it cracking on each other, and they were so good at it. Imagine being an eight-year-old me and trying to keep up with five or six little Patrice O'Neills. Those kids taught me how to be funny. I knew there was power and acceptance in being able to make other people laugh. I went to college, didn't graduate, but spoke at graduation because that's what was ultimately important to me. I got a high-paying job as a corporate recruiter for computer programmers. My second year at this job, I made $69,000, but something was missing. A guy from my fraternity, Don Maxwell, told me about an open mic in Syracuse, New York. He did it, and he wanted me to try it out. One night I did, and even though I was horrible... I got some laughs and I was hooked. People were actually listening to me. They laughed at some of the things I thought up and said. I couldn't believe it. This was 1993. Every Sunday night, I'd drive two and a half hours to that open mic. Then I would bomb, then drive home, and I would record myself on a portable cassette recorder, just ranting and screaming about how horrible I was. That was always the funniest part of the experience. Playing back those recordings sped up at one and a half speed. It sounded like a little chipmunk screaming at himself. Sometimes I bombed so hard, I would give up comedy for six months at a time. 1996 was the turning point for me. To get better at my day job, I started listening to sales motivational tapes. Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, and especially Tony Robbins. That's when it clicked. I was going to go all in on my dreams. In April that year, I contacted the local club and asked if I could do a guest set. The owner, Tom Nicky, was so unbelievably accommodating, he gave me 20 minutes on a Friday night. First show. I couldn't believe it. I didn't have an act still. So in the two weeks leading up to that... I wrote and wrote and practiced in front of my mirror, ran jokes by people, did everything I could. I'd record myself with this rinky-dink Sony camcorder I had. I repaid 
Tom, the club owner, by selling the place out. He had to turn people away. I brought probably a hundred people that night. And guess what? I killed. More than half the crowd there already knew me, so I set myself up with an unfair advantage. Within eight months, I quit my job and was doing the road full time. I came from a dysfunctional background. I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have anyone to fund this dream of mine. But I always believed in myself. After two and a half to three years touring as a feature while occasionally headlining, I moved to Los Angeles. Looking back, things happened rather quickly for me in Hollywood, even though at the time it felt like it was taking an eternity. I started running shows with my friends. I got hired as a writer for a comedy website. I signed with a manager. I was passed at the improv. Because I don't want to make this video too long, I'll get down to the credits from that point on. I was hired to be a writer and performer on the Best Damn Sports Show, period. I got nominated for two Emmys, writing and producing on that show. I did stand-up twice at the Adult Video News Awards. For the first five seasons of Last Comic Standing, I was the warm-up comic. I wrote for those silly dating shows on MTV, Date My Mom, Next, and Exposed. That's where I got really good at writing roast jokes. I spent seven years as the head writer for Howie Long's Tough Guys, a Super Bowl special. I did the HBO Aspen Comedy Festival New Faces in 2005. No agent, no manager. Somebody believed in me. They put me on it. I did the Howard Stern Show, Comedy Central's Premium Blend. I was a writer-performer on the show Sports Soup. I was a writer on the dating show Excused, hosted by Eliza Schlesinger. I was the very first panelist on the premiere episode of Chelsea Lately. I even appeared in a couple episodes of Punked. For about nine months, I was in charge of Funny or Die sister site, Blue Collar or Die, featuring Larry the Cable Guy, Jeff Foxworthy, and Bill Engvall. We would write and produce three sketches a day, every day, full-time, five days a week. But my heart was really in screenwriting. I wanted to make movies. I got connected with an A-list screenwriter, worked with that person for about 11 years. We did 30 projects together, primarily movies, four of them got made, and a couple TV pilots. And then ultimately, I sold my own movie idea and wrote the script for Tim Allen and sold it to Disney. I left LA and put my career on hold in 2012 because I got a rare balance disorder called Malda debarkman syndrome. Basically, I feel like I'm on a boat 24-7. It's, it's hard to even explain what it feels like. It's gotten a bit better because of medication, but it's not something that just ever goes away. So I moved back to my hometown to be with my extended family, and here I am with you. I still do comedy. I've taken some time off because of COVID, and I had a slight heart attack in 2021, which led to a triple bypass. But I'm feeling better now. I'm healthier. I have a clear mind. And that's why I'm here with you now, giving back what I can as I figure out the rest of my life. I never got married. Came close a couple times. Never had kids. Just me and my dogs. And now you. And of course, the crowds. Oh, I've had such a love affair with the crowds, the audience. I didn't have any advantages. I came from nothing. The one thing I had on my side was the rock-solid belief in myself that I would make it. And I did. I did make it. I lived my dreams. And I was lucky enough to have people in my life who believed in me too. People who encouraged me. People who helped me. People who gave me opportunity. Most of them were fellow comics. If I can do it, you can too.